0: You have to put your order in with the universe. You have to know exactly what it is you want and then totally release the control on how you think that's going to show up because nine times out of 10, it shows up in a way bigger, more amazing way.
1: Hi, and welcome to the All Too Well podcast. I'm your host, Erica Huss. I'm a wellness entrepreneur, wellness expert, and your wellness whisperer, here to help make your journey towards better health just a little more comfortable and a little less cringy. And today, I'm super excited to share this conversation. I mean, I often have this experience with my guests where their expertise, their experience in their own life and their journey is really just so inspiring and awe-striking, awe-striking? Awe-inspiring, you know, strikes one with awe when you become awestruck. For me, and I find myself just, you know, wanting to hear even more after we stop the recording. And I want to dive into their story, and I want to be friends with this person, and I want to go out for a glass of wine with this person, and and hear the whole rest of it. And certainly today with Gabrielle Stone is absolutely no exception. She has led really an extraordinary life. She grew up in Hollywood. Her mom is actress Dee Wallace, who, as anyone of the Gen X, Y, millennial, really Gen X and millennial world knows, was the mom in E.T. and also Cujo. So she grew up in the Hollywood world and on sets and things like that and actually did some writing and acting and directing in her own right. Um, But it was really her personal experience that kind of pivoted her whole world and that come came from having uh, a terribly heartbreaking experience with a very bad man who she was engaged to and who turned out to kind of just suck. And one thing led to the next and you'll hear the whole story. So I'm not going to spoil it for you, but she ended up writing a book uh, called Eat, Pray, Fuck My Life or for the G rated version, it is eat, pray, hashtag FML. And uh, that was actually followed by a sequel. She created these two books, one around her own story with this first gentleman who shall not be named but who is definitely publicly shamed many, many times in her book and in her conversations, and uh, a sequel called The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl, as well as a podcast called FML Talk, where uh, she shares a bit more of her story, and she engages you know, with others on their stories, and she's just, she's a badass, and I absolutely adore her, and I had such a good time with this conversation, and I'm so happy to share it with you. So is this conversation about wellness in the traditional sense, where we're talking about you know healing modalities and products and services and things that you can do to improve your physical health. No, it is about mental, spiritual, emotional well-being. It's about resilience. And I think we can all relate to that. And having a resilient spirit can do absolutely amazing and wonderful, transformative things for your emotional balance. And then therefore, after that, ergo your physical well-being. So it's all tied up in a fun little bow with lots of profanity. That's all I'll say. Here's my chat with Gabrielle. officially welcome Gabrielle Stone. I'm so excited to talk to you as a fellow multi-hyphenate. Can I just like rattle off your your quick hyphen? Yes, please. (laughs) Okay. Actress, dancer, author of multiple books, including Eat, Pray, FML, and The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. You're also the host of the FML Talk podcast, massive TikTok creator, influencer, and amazing, like badass chick. So did no, I miss anything?
0: Thank you. No, but the last one's the most important. So thanks. <laughs> badass check.
1: Yes. Um, so um as I just said, you know, this is this is a different type of conversation um compared to some of you know the the wellness lifestyle podcasts. Oftentimes, you know, if I'm talking to like an author, not an author, but like a doctor or a practitioner, you know, it's like a deep dive into a specific topic. And with you, um, I've been following, you know, your work and um, full confession, I've not actually read the books yet, but I'm... How dare you even know, know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm about (laughs) to do the audio because I especially love doing nonfiction audio. Like I like to read, page through a fiction book, but I love to listen to somebody read their own work, um, especially if it's autobiographical. So I'm going to get there. love it. But I've been listening to a ton of your pods and loving your TikTok stuff. And so I really, I mean while I'm saying like, you know, you're not a doctor and you're not a practitioner with a specific deep dive topic, you are actually kind of an expert on resilience, shall we say? Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, among other things, right? But I think your story, uh, your personal story, um, your personal experience with, you know, some crazy highs and massive lows and figuring out how to kind of rebound from all of that is really, I think, what makes you you and I think why you've created such an incredible following and such a loyal audience with, you know, the way that you tell your story and the the sort of elements from it that you share with people in order to kind of encourage them and motivate them and inspire them. So without, you know, setting up too much uh, ahead of time, can you please just tell your story in as many or as few words as yes. possible with as many F-bombs as necessary?
0: Ah, okay. <laughs> so I grew up in Los Angeles. I was born and raised here. My mom is a pretty well-known actress. Her name is Dee Wallace. She was the mom in E.T. She was in Cujo, The Howling. My dad was also a very well-known actor that did a lot of TV, um, was also in a, a, the, the Howling and Cujo with my mom uh, and directed as well. But even though I had both parents in the industry, I kind of grew up rather normal. Um, Other than the fact I was getting to travel to a lot of really awesome places and was like licking the fake blood off of my mom on some of the horror (laughs) movies she was doing. Um, But other than that, you know, I always had someone at my dance recitals or my soccer games. Like if one parent took a job, the other one wouldn't, which is really hard to do in an industry Mm. like this. And it really like was a pretty normal, amazing childhood for me. Um, And that all, unfortunately, came to a screeching halt. uh, When I was six years old, I walked in and found my dad on the floor dead from a heart attack, which was obviously pretty traumatic Mm -hmm. at such a young age. I mean, at any age, but at such a young age. And you're an older
1: child as well, right? Like I
0: am. Yeah. Yeah. And my mother was in New Zealand filming a movie called The Frighteners. I was at home with my dad and my nanny, and I ran out, got my nanny, was like, Kristen, Kristen, daddy passed out. And obviously he hadn't, he, he had actually passed. My mom was on the next plane home and was home with us for a week. She did all of the, you know, legal affairs that that comes with that happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And through his celebration of life, put all of us back on a plane. We flew back to New Zealand and she finished the film. Mm -hmm. And that was really my first example of like how to be a fucking badass when shit explodes in your life. Um, I mean, nobody thought she was going to get back to finish that movie, uh, including the director. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was like, okay, so like when trauma happens, like Mm -hmm. that you have to forge a way through it. Like you have to pick yourself up and figure out how to keep moving forward. So not only was that the first example of – you know, being a badass that I had in my young life, that was also where I developed my first kind of big subconscious fear, which is when I love someone, they die. Hmm. Um, And at the center of that is fear of abandonment. So that started to like stay with me from a very young age. Unfortunately, that wound was ripped wide open in high school. Well, I was actually just out of high school, but my high school sweetheart um, of three years was killed in a car accident um really suddenly and it was again like when i love someone they die fear yeah. of abandonment like these were the two like men that i loved you know first that not only left me but left in a very tragic yeah, and very traumatic abrupt. way um so i was walking through life with this subconscious belief and when we have subconscious beliefs it's like having it's like being on autopilot and someone is driving your car without you even realizing it. And you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to go right up here. And then life goes left. And you're like, wait, wait. I thought, I thought we were going right because mm. this belief is really like driving you and running you through your life without you even realizing it. So for me, the fear of abandonment was being attracted in different ways. So I, Gabrielle, was manifesting this subconscious belief into my reality. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, the fear of abandonment showed up as never wanting to be alone, always being in a relationship always having a roommate, like never truly feeling like I was okay by myself.
1: Which actually I think, sorry to interrupt, but I feel like that's actually really an interesting divergence from that kind of only child experience, right? Because we are sort of accustomed (laughs) and like conditioned to be able to entertain ourselves and you don't even have to be conscious about being okay alone because it's just sort of your norm. So the fact that, I mean, obviously these incredibly traumatic events had such an impact that it completely like shapeshifted that for you.
0: Yeah. And which is such a, which is such a good point. It's a completely different flip from the, the textbook narrative of being an only child. Um, so I was walking through life, going through all of this and then attracted the man that I ended up marrying. Mm. And at first everyone was like, this is like, finally, she's met someone who doesn't need to be fixed. And like, he's so great. And like, they seem so perfect and blah, blah, blah. We got engaged rather quickly. Um, I think eight months into knowing each other and then we were engaged for two years had this beautiful wedding that my mom like worked her ass off to pay for um and we were renting a house kind of like nesting together we were married for almost two years and then I discovered he was having an affair with a 19 year old for six months among a lot of extramarital affairs that like went into that as well
1: um and I have been, oh okay. So there were a lot, but then this one was like the the one this that you actually ma- yeah,
0: this, yeah, this was the main girlfriend. There were other <sighs> things that came to light during my my private detective era, as I like to call it. And then once <laughs> once the book became really successful, I had other random women reach out to me and be like, <gasps> "Hey, I need to I need to apologize." <laughs> um, so it was like a, a laundry list of stuff that was going on, wow. but that was like the main relationship the others were just like inappropriate texts or you know images being exchanged or like random one-offs like it was it was a <laughs> lot um but so i had been really unhappy in my marriage for probably the last 7 to 8 months just couldn't figure out why and we were yeah. like going to therapy and doing all these things so when i found out about everything as much as i felt like that betrayal and that rage it also felt like a relief because Mm -hmm. I was like, this is my way out. you know. And if I would have not had something that made it so drastic for me to walk away, I would have stayed in that for a very long time trying to make it work because I had made this commitment and we just had this big wedding and all the bullshit we tell ourselves when the only thing we really need to know is you're not fucking happy. And -hmm. if you're not happy, you should exit the situation Mm -hmm. if that's what it comes down to. So I was... Driving away from my house, feeling like this weight had just been lifted off my shoulders <laughs> and was like, I'm gonna be single for at least a year. Fuck men, like this is the the me era. And the universe was like, okay, Gabrielle, that's fucking funny. <laughs> Fat chance. Here you go. <laughs> and plopped down um another man in my path. Um, and that was the relationship that really like was the catalyst. For the book. Um, So his name was Javier. We fell in love like seemingly overnight. It just went from zero to 100. Like, I'm going to marry this person. We're going to have babies, like, sign, seal, delivered. This is it.
1: And your divorce Um, is not final yet at this point. Oh, no. This was like, warm. This was like weeks
0: after I left my house. Granted, probably a month or so after I had known about the affair. Right. And And seven to eight months months after you had checked Right. Yeah. 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 Um, but still wildly quick. However, yeah. I will say that when I left my marriage, I was oddly okay. Yeah, like, well. of course there was stuff that would come up in therapy around the abandonment and around like the betrayal, but I knew like, this is happening for a reason. This is my out. This is my second chance to have like a new go at life. Mm-hmm. Um, So I met Javier pretty okay. Like I wasn't right. heartbroken. I wasn't like trying to rebound. Like it genuinely wasn't like that. And we had this whirlwind romance. His whole family was like, we've never seen him like this. His friends were like, this is it. This is crazy. He's never been like this with anyone before. And he invited me on a month-long trip to Italy, which of course, at first I was like, you're fucking crazy. Right. But also, when are you going? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and his answer to that was leaving on September 4th, which would have been my two year wedding anniversary. Uh. And he was returning home on October 4th, which is my late father's birthday. Uh. So I was like, okay, universe, I hear you. I'm booking my ticket. I'm going to Europe. It Had always been on my bucket list anyways. Like it all made sense suddenly. Like, of course this, I had to go through all of this to meet this wonderful man. And now we're going to go off to Italy together. Wonderful. Um, 48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself and i was absolutely devastated this man broke my heart like my ex husband never could have done
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i was sitting on my bed at my mother's house because that's when where you move when you're 28 and get divorced and just in a pool of tears and was like okay i can either stay at home heartbroken or i can go travel to europe for a month by myself my bag was already packed yep. so i took my my took my backpack and i did six countries over the span of a month and i wrote the book eat pray fml about it
1: and here we are. <laughs> and here we are. And for anybody who is still scratching their head as to the FML piece, um, it's fuck my life, unless fuck there's fuck my life. Okay. <laughs> um yeah, God. So first of all, oddly as I'm sitting here listening to you, there are like so many common threads. Like I'm born and raised in New York City, right? But actress, dancer growing up like little ballerina, I had a little T trauma with my dad, not big. Like parents got mm. divorced. It was gross. Yeah. I had a similar kind of sense of like, ooh, because I was the same age as you. First marriage, two years, Actually, November fourth. So, there you go. Uh-huh, I love it. <laughs> and by the time it was done, I was like, it was. I was already out the door. And the relationship that followed was the one that destroyed me, not that one. So I'm already. You have like, okay. no
0: idea how many DMs I get. That's like, why is it that the guy I was with for two months after my six year relationship like devastated me? Like nobody else. What is else that? Could. Is that
1: some sort of like delayed? Like, okay, I didn't give my heart to this one, so I'm just going to throw everything at this one, even if he's not actually willing to receive it. Like, what is that? I. I think it's different
0: for each person and it's dependent on each relationship. For me personally, like I I mean, I can look at the situation and be like this was clearly a karmic partner that came mm. into my life to blow shit up to make me go on this crazy trip by myself. I mean this this whole experience not only healed me and changed me as a person and I came back from that trip an entirely different woman, but it also changed my whole fucking career. Like I mm. I I can't imagine having not gone on that trip and You can look at my life as such a blueprint, like going back to the um, when I love someone, they die in the fear of abandonment. So I was walking around with that subconscious belief and I attracted my ex-husband who abandoned me in the most heinous way possible. And the universe was like, Cool, Gabrielle, are we ready to go uh, heal this abandonment shit? And I was like, No, no, I'm good. I'm gonna go over here no, I'm and <laughs> attracted Javier. A little bit more,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> attracted Javier, who quite literally abandoned me two days before we were getting on a trip that he fucking invited me on. Right. It was like laughable how these these fears were showing up in my life. Like I was creating this belief because my brain was like, Nope, you've gotta, it's gotta make sense. They're gonna abandon you. They're gonna abandon you. And it wasn't until I went on this trip. And started to heal that long-stemming trauma and that long-stemming belief that I was able to attract different people into my life in the future that would never abandon me.
1: But did you, I mean, so you wrote the book and you were not otherwise an author before that, right? So no, you, you just kind of not. like vomited out this draft in order to really have like this cathartic experience and not necessarily, I mean, at that time, were you intending on publishing or was it more just like, I have to get this out of me in order to kind of work through it? It's so funny. I get this question all the time. And I'd love
0: to be like, no, I was just journaling because I needed to. <laughs> the second I found out I was going on this trip, I was like, I'm gonna write a book. Okay. It's gonna be a big, it's gonna be a big deal. It's gonna help a lot of people. And then it'll probably end up on screen in the future. Like I knew the path before. I even like,
1: well, cause you can't make this shit up. It. Like it is very no. clearly a movie, a TV show, whatever you want to call it.
0: Yeah. And you know, I literally was like, my life had become like this fucked up horror sitcom and whatever was going to happen on this trip was going to be a big deal for me. And if I could write that and convey that to other people, it would probably help a lot of other people heal as well.
1: Yeah. So you write the book, And I'm like, there's no publisher involved, right? Cause you're just kind of, yeah. So like, how did you go from, I'm writing this book and it's going to be this thing to actually realizing that, that vision, that manifestation.
0: So the day before I left on my trip, I bought a leather bound journal, started the book The first day I was in London, um, wrote three-fourths of it in that journal by hand. And it's Mm -hmm. like you can open the journal and it's like chapter one. And it's very close to how the finished book was published. Mm -hmm. Um, Finished it in like the month and a half when I came home. So the whole thing was written in like three months, which I can tell you from writing the sequel is wildly fucking fast. (laughs) It needed to like pour out of me. Like it was meant. And it was was wildly therapeutic as well because, you know, something about not sitting there and typing, but physically writing the emotions that you're feeling that are coming out of your body and onto the page, like that's a release for sure. So I had written this whole journey. I came home very, you know... It's so funny, especially in my life, whenever you think you have these like grand ideas and you're like, this is obviously the path that's going to happen. Like, I'm going to get with one of the big five publishers. It's going to be massive. A celebrity is going to read it, they're going to post about it, it's going to go viral. Like, all of those things ended up happening. In better ways, and Mm. not in the way that I ever imagined. So, I sent it to my manager, who was like my manager for acting and directing. Mm -hmm. Had no idea, like like, what the hell you want me to do with this? (laughs) Yeah, he was like, okay. So he sends it out to the big five (laughs) publishers. All of them passed and were like, it's too racy, it's too in your face. Um, I don't think there's a big enough audience for it, which was like my favorite hysterical right, one because it's the like millions what millions of women like, who have gone like every woman everywhere and men once they right. can get past the the pink drinking wine chick on the cover. Um and all I was like, okay, what's next? And then I ended up getting linked up with someone who became my self-publishing mentor who had self-published her book. And at first I was like, I'm not self-publishing a book. This is so much bigger than that. Like, what do you mean? And she's like, look, it's it's a misconception. When you're with a publishing company, all they're going to do is put your book on the shelf and like pay for the production of it. Mm -hmm. They're not going to promote it unless you're a big Mm -hmm. name going on a book tour. Like it's, you're still going to do all the groundwork to market it and to get it out there. And you're only going to be getting a 20% royalty from them like why are you giving up so much of your money if you're going to have to grind to get it out there anyways. So then I started to think about this. I also in talking to some of the smaller publishing companies, it was going to be a year and a half to 2 years before they ever got it out. And I was like, no no no, I felt like I had been emotionally like just fucked and yeah. needed to like birth and needed to birth out this like book baby. I was like it's there's no way I can wait that long to get this out to the world. So I decided to self-publish. Lo and behold, it was the best thing I ever did. I ended up self-publishing my second book as well. The financial difference that mm-hmm. I have seen, because I did my first, my first book, I did Eat Pray FML, uh, the audiobook with a company. Mm-hmm. I did my second book, the sequel to that, uh, independently on audiobook. And the difference between them mm. is disgusting. Like, it's <laughs> like, how do writers make money? Like, yeah. this is insane. Yeah. Um, so it changed my life. The 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 self-publishing aspect of this changed my life in a big financial business way. Um, I'm so thankful that all those doors were no's and nobody wanted to take a chance mm-hmm. on the book. Like, thank God mm-hmm. my life would look a lot different right now. Um, so I self-published the book. Then, of course, my brain is like, you're going to... A celebrity is going to read this and post about it online at some point. And it's going to blow up. Like That's the path. Every night I went to bed thinking that. Never in a million years did I think we're going to go into a pandemic. You're going to get bored. You're going to get on this app called TikTok that is meant for like teenagers that yeah. are just dancing and shit. And you're going to go super viral and it's going to get the book out to people all around the world. Like when videos on TikTok go viral, that's marketing you can't pay for. Yeah. And it happened with this book in a really big way multiple times. So the lesson in all of that is you have to put your order in with the universe. You have to know exactly what it is you want. And then totally release the control on how you think that's going to show up Mm -hmm. because nine times out of 10, it shows up in a way bigger, more amazing way.
1: I mean, so true. But so in this time, are you already doing this work around, I mean, you're saying like you have a kind of an idea of where you wanted to go and then it turns out totally different. You're not necessarily attaching yourself to outcomes, right? But anybody who is um, interested or kind of doing the work and exploring how to manifest and how to sort of get your brain kind of wired into that different frequency. The idea is like, just what you said, you place your order with the universe, right? But that's a learned behavior. Is that something that you were already kind of putting into practice, or is this sort of just like I'm not going to say happy accident because it was way more than right? A happy right. Accident, <laughs> but, but how much, how much of the work were you doing at that point to really kind of focus on that vision and that, that frequency?
0: So, my mom, apart from being an actress, is a world healer. She does sessions with people all over the world daily. She's a clairvoyant channel. She works a lot with like, Creating the life that you want and how your thoughts really dictate what is around you. Um, So I've grown up in a very spiritual household. With
1: yeah, lucky you, Jesus. Learning all of these,
0: yeah, learning (laughs) all of these practices at a very early age, which ninety percent of the time is fantastic. And then there's the ten percent when you're like, Mom, I just wanted to call and bitch about you uh, about like the guy that flicked me off on the freeway. She's like, I already know meaning to this, yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I was really lucky in just, I've always had this trust in the universe. And, um, when I became an adult, it was more learning that it wasn't just asking the universe for stuff. It was that I worked in tandem with the universe. So it was like, what can we create together today? Mm -hmm. And really like focusing on what it is you want putting that out there. And that can be done in so many ways, whether that's like writing a vision board or doing a meditation and like focusing on it, like whatever practice it is that works for you, really putting that at the forefront of your mind and then allowing however it's gonna show up Mm -hmm. to come in and surprise you. Like, I can't tell you how many different journeys I've now been on in like different business ventures where I'm like, oh, this is it. And it's going to, now that we're with these people, it's just going to blow up and be a huge thing. And then it comes in the back door from the most random of places. And you're like, of course, this is how it's going to happen. Like it never really happens how your conscious brain thinks it's going to.
1: Right. Well, and I guess to your earlier point, it also does work in reverse, which is how you started by saying, you know, you have this kind of, this uh, misconception or this like this limiting belief. In your case, it was that anybody I love dies and or mm-hmm. or abandons me, leaves me. Um, So it does. I mean, it does work in reverse, right? It's like you can totally. carry that around, and you envision that every time you get yourself into a situation, it's going to play out in this negative way. Then most likely, you know, you can find yeah. your find your path to make sure that that happens.
0: One hundred percent. And a lot of times, it's unconscious, which is what right. makes it so tricky. Like I wasn't walking around life going, I'm going to attract a guy that's going to abandon me. Let's go. Like, that's not obviously what I was looking for. But if you have any type of pattern in your life and like I get DMs from my readers all the time, like I just can't get in a relationship where I'm not getting cheated on or all the men I end up dating end up being, you know, assholes and like narcissists or whatever it is. Um, If there is a pattern in your life, in any respect, not in, just in your dating life, in anything of your life. Like, if you're like, I keep losing this job, or I keep getting really close to a promotion, and then they choose someone else, like any pattern that happens more than once in your life, that's something to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. That is. That is your world being like, hey, there's something within you that is attracting this. Let's fix it so we can attract some better shit. Does that mean you're deserving of all the assholes that are cheating on you? Absolutely not. No. Mm -hmm. But it does mean that there is something within you that is unhealed that you need to fix in order to attract better shit. And until we take responsibility for that and recognize that, It's going to be a long life of attracting the assholes because Mm -hmm. people want to point the finger and be like, it's him. He's a jerk. He's a dick. And yes, those things all might be true, but you have to take accountability for being the person that has attracted those people into your life or those situations into your life.
1: Ugh, it's so much easier I know. It's, said it's than it's done. Very, I know. And
0: it's so very triggering when people yeah. when people first hear that, they're like, fuck you, Gabrielle. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, look, I didn't want to fucking believe it either. But once I realized it and took accountability, it changed yeah. my fucking life. So do with it what you will. <laughs>
1: Okay, can you talk a little bit um, about this concept of thought onion that you refer to? Because I find that really yeah, it's kind of a simple concept, but I feel like the way that you describe it and and do it, it it just it 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 lands a different way than kind of phrased differently.
0: Totally, and it's so funny because whenever people ask about how did you come up with this and like what like where's the inspiration from. I mean, people will read about it in the book, like the moment that I discovered it. And that really is how it organically happened. I was walking on the streets of London after my first big solo adventure day. And I had gotten all these photos sent to me from Javier, and it just totally fucking ruined my day. And I was like, Okay, why did he send
1: you photos after he broke up with you?
0: Oh, well, okay. So sorry, I know I have to read the book. I'm yeah, sorry. It's a whole, it's a whole <laughs> journey. So we actually flew. We flew on the on the plane together and then I stayed in London and he went on to Rome where we were supposed to start our trip. So he was basically being like, look, I'm in Rome. Look at all this stuff. And I was like, you're, you're an like, asshole. Those are yeah. all the places I was supposed to be with you. Okay. okay. Totally fucking ruined Sorry. my day. So I'm walking around the streets of London after this magical day that I've had and I'm all fucking pissed off now. And I'm like, got my headphones in and I'm talking to myself in my head and I'm like, all right, Gabrielle, do you want to have this ruin your day. Do you want to just continue to be pissed off? And I'm like, "No, I guess not." Okay, well then like let's figure out why the fuck this upsets you so much. <laughs> um and that's where the thought onion was born and I really was like I have to change this name. This is so lame. And then I just kept writing them over and over in the book as I was on my trip and then it just stuck and I never changed it. So here we are with the thought onion and you look at it <laughs> like an onion and the first layer of that is the superficial thought. That's the thought that immediately comes up when you have your like knee-jerk reaction. Right. And it's that, usually, like sick,
1: like kicking the stomach kind of, yeah.
0: Yes, yes. And it's usually very superficial, like fuck that asshole. <laughs> like very surface level, like your initial knee-jerk reaction. Right. When you take a step back from that and peel that layer back, you get to the authentic thought. The authentic thought is usually the emotion or the fear within you that's causing that superficial thought. So that like ouch spot that whatever situation really kind of hit, that's the authentic thought. So underneath the he's such a fucking asshole is why would he choose to make me feel this way?
1: Right. Like I feel hurt. I feel this, not just yeah. like he's an asshole, but like I actually am, it's landing yeah, me like, in this way. Yeah. this,
0: this makes me feel shitty about myself. This makes me feel unwanted. This makes me feel sad, like whatever the ouch spot is. Underneath that is the subconscious thought, which is the real like meat and potatoes. That's usually a long-stemming trauma um, or a fear that you've had, like a subconscious fear. And when you can get to that layer and really figure out what that is and decide to heal and adjust and fix that, that's how we have different thoughts and reactions in the future. So that subconscious thought would be, he's abandoning me, Mm -hmm. like like dad. Just like Um, right, right. Yeah. So once you can get to that, it's really like, it's really just, it's a technique that's easy for anyone to do. That's kind of just asking why, 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 until you get to the center of it. Like, what is this bringing up in me? that's triggering me. Mm -hmm. Um, and how can I heal that to then have different experiences in the future?
1: It's amazing. And you arrived at this all on your own.
0: I did. I mean, I'm sure <laughs> there's other techniques. <laughs> no, I'm no. sure there's other therapy techniques out there that are similar
1: to this, but this was mine. <laughs> no, it's amazing. I'm just saying like, it didn't take you like years of sitting across from somebody like talking no. through it so that they could say, here are some tools for you. You were just like, okay, no, this is nope, actually... No, just
0: took one asshole in a Europe trip. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically two assholes. <laughs> right, right. Technically a lot of assholes, but you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's amazing. Um, okay. Well, and then, so... I guess the the other piece of it, and I know you've talked about this a little bit as well, but I think that what's related to it when you talk about that like core sort of fundamental issue at the at the core of the onion, at the center of the onion is this kind of like little child work that mm-hmm. you do. Yeah. And again, I'm just like fascinated that you seem to have somehow been able to employ all of these techniques and tactics without, and I don't know how much therapy you've done. I'm sure you've done your fair share of it. Oh, a lot.
0: I mean, I've, since I was six years old on and off and I recommend it to everyone that can, can access it. Like, even if nothing's wrong, take your ass to therapy. Right.
1: Well, there's probably (laughs) something wrong if you're saying that there's nothing wrong. Um, but can you talk about that a little bit too? This, this like child work, this little inner child or little child work. Yeah.
0: We talk about this a lot on the podcast because it's so important. And I write about this a little bit in the sequel. It's kind of like the next level of the thought onion. Like once you get to that subconscious thought, you have to find out where the origin experience was from that subconscious thoughts. So like where did i pick this up? Where was the first time i ever felt abandoned? Where was the first time i ever didn't feel chosen? Where like whatever it is, like where was the first time in my life that that happened? For me using the abandonment example, that would be when i was 6 and found my dad, when i was uh 18 and lost my high school sweetheart, when i was married and found out about the divorce. So you go back and this is like an easy exercise that everyone can do. You shut your eyes. You can do it in a meditation. You can do it like simply just like closing your eyes in a quiet space. And you go back in your mind's eye to the age you were that that happened. It can be one specific age or it can be like the ones, you know, chronologically, like I just said, and you go back and you talk to yourself at that age. So for me, it would be closing my eyes And imagining my six-year-old self standing in front of me saying, okay, hi, Gabby, because I was Gabby back then, Mm -hmm. not Gabrielle. Um, Hi, little Gabby. Um, I know that you were very scared during this experience. I know that it didn't feel fair that daddy left. I want you to know that he didn't want to leave you. It wasn't his choice. It wasn't him abandoning you. He just had to go. And I want you to know that I'm always going to be here for you. And I'm never going to leave you or abandon you. So you're always safe and you're always protected and you can let this experience go. And then, you know, you can put your arms around her, bring her in for a hug, say, I'm always here if you want to talk or if you get scared. It's really like you have a conversation with that version of yourself to try and help them let the trauma go because trauma Mm -hmm. lives in our body. This has been proven by like scientists and therapists and like everyone in the world Trauma lives with us in our body. So if if my six-year-old self is inside me somewhere holding on to that abandonment, I'm never gonna be able to release that. Cause like me, Gabrielle, now can be like, no, I'm not, I'm not afraid of abandonment. I'm fine. Everything's good. Like I'm I've healed from that situation. But if there's a six-year-old little girl in me going, no, the fuck you aren't, yeah. like I am not fucking okay, you're never going to fully be able to let that go. And it will again drive you subconsciously.
1: Yeah, and it's not to say that you do that work one time and then that sort of like chases it away. Like she's still going to appear in certain circumstances, sure. right? Like it's yeah. going to be it's an ongoing process. But again, totally. I think,
0: and yeah. and whenever whenever those triggers come up and you feel that, oh, I feel yeah. that abandonment feeling. It's like okay, which what age am I going to? Who do I right. need to go comfort? Who do I? Yeah, it's a continuous thing. I mean. We could all just like do something once and snap our fingers and be healed. Everybody would fucking do it. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. No, that feeling. I know that like kick in the gut. It's so. And you're right. Like it's so consistent. And every time it does come up, it, it's it's related to this whatever that initial event is. I'm just remembering yeah. now. I listened to a, a Tim Ferris episode. Where he did this work, this like inner child work. He's got, I mean, this whole history of like really massive, terrible abuse and and all of that. And it was kind of like a live. Um, he was, I don't remember who he was interviewing, but they did this inner child work, and it was super mm. powerful. Just like listening to him actually go through it in that moment. I like because i thinking about it now. Yeah. Um but I think also just anecdotally, you know, I'm sitting here like this is such a relatable. Conversation and, and topic, in you know, your story is obviously incredibly unique and so fucking mind blowing that you know you deserve everything that you've come to because you were able to share it so so beautifully and eloquently. And I'm mm-hmm, like, thank you, dude, dudes sit around and talk like this, like, are guys, you know, like, I'm giving the, the Tim Ferriss <laughs> example, but I'm like, are men having these conversations are they having these like life changing experiences where they're able to kind of like follow this thread back and tie it up to whatever happened to them mm-hmm. when they were kids and I don't, I well, don't know. one of one of the things I love doing
0: on FML Talk is bringing on the men that I know yes. that are doing that. Um, my husband, for example, like it. One of the big reasons. Spoiler why, alert: You did find yeah. the proper. Spoiler husband. alert: We are happy. <laughs> you will you will meet him in the sequel, uh, the second <laughs> book. But yes, yeah, spoiler alert. Um, and and you know other other men that I have in my life, I I've brought a few of them onto the podcast because I think it's so important to break down that toxic masculinity that unfortunately a lot of our world experiences now and show people that it's okay for men to be vulnerable. It's okay for men to cry. It's something that I value in a partner and in a man. Um, That's, yeah, it's like kind of a prerequisite. It's 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 like, you know, like, have you gone to therapy? Have you done some work on yourself? Can you show your fucking emotions? Like, that's like bare, bare minimum bottom line that I need from someone (laughs) if they're going to be not even like my partner, but like in my life in a deep way, you know? Um, it's like very, an important thing. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there are a lot of men that are doing the work and are doing that. Do I think more women are probably, but there's also a lot of women that are really fucked up and, you know, that are narcissists and cheat on people and are shitty as well. So it's like, you know, I I don't, I think it's less of a gender thing and more of like when your soul is ready to like take that journey and you're ready to like show up and do the work for yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure. I just feel like, you know, it's funny. It's like there are, I haven't actually counted, but I know that there are a lot of podcasts and a lot of conversations like this happening among, you know, female communities and Mm -hmm. it does feel in this whole kind of zeitgeist that we're living in right now, like post-COVID and Me Too and and, and fucking Trump and all of, like we there is a, a much more um, empowered and sort of stable community sense among women to me yeah. than has ever felt the case before. And I don't know if it's because I've had my own sort of like you know journey and process and and relied so heavily on like this incredible circle of women that I have in my life or if it's actually really true that we're becoming so much more empowered as as a as a group and then it's like well I mean my husband has said this to me on more than one occasion like do you feel like you're coming to a place where you just like don't like women are just not going to need men at all? Like, is that where we're going? You know, like women are now becoming so powerful that, you know, Mm -hmm. is there even like a need, but I love that, you know, that in your example for just as one case, like you've had these very hurtful traumatic experiences with men. You've become this incredibly powerful, you know, solid, confident, stable presence of, of feminine energy but you also still wanted to get married again and you wanted to have a man mm-hmm. in your life. And
0: yeah, and I, I think I think you're so right. I think we've lived so many decades and more um, of not having rights and not having like equality as women. Um, so I think now it's such a beautiful time in that sense because everybody's just kind of over the bullshit. And we're like, mm, that's not really like how we're subscribing anymore. That being said, you can't, and I'm not saying you are, I'm saying like, this is why I found like a loving, successful relationship. It's like, you can't group everybody into something just because one or two people hurt you. You know, mm-hmm. like if I would have shut if I would have shut my heart off after my divorce, which I had every right to do, um, and put up those walls, I wouldn't have fallen in love with Javier. I wouldn't have gotten my heart broken, gone on this amazing trip, or written this book and had a completely different career in life. Right. Like you have to be able to keep your heart open and allow yourself to move through the experiences and choose to not be a victim to them, choose to let them elevate you and push you into the next person that you're supposed to be.
1: Yeah, I think that makes total sense. And I think that you... You kind of have examples of of that. Um, I've seen, you know, a little bit on TikTok, for example. And I'm so glad that you put this out there because I knew that this was what you were, you know, the approach. But it was something to the effect that, like, of course, you're going to have haters. Everybody's going to have haters as soon as you kind of put yourself out there and become vulnerable. Oh, my God. Like, God forbid, you know, you actually share a real feeling. (laughs) Um, But you – but I think there probably are people who are like, you know – the, the, the hater community could say, well, if you're so evolved and you're so like, you know, you're calling yourself being able to move forward, then why is there so much emphasis on this like terrible thing that happened to you? And like, why do you still mm-hmm. keep going back to the well and like shit talking this guy, for example. But like, I I never, you know, thought that I was like, no, no, this is actually, this is the perfect example of how like, right. there's, there's one video of you like doing like a dance routine to like the the narrative around how this total like
0: those are and you know totally and those are the ones that always go viral and like unfortunately unhealed people on the internet will look at that and be like oh he's still living rent-free in your head oh like why do you keep bringing up your ex if you've moved on and i'm like bitch it's marketing (laughs) like (laughs) i mean do you think i'm on tiktok to like dance around and like creatively have an outlet. Like, no, I, I write books for my creative outlet. Right. I'm on here to make money to right. sell books and to teach people how to heal. And if I'm right. selling and a book dancing about it, you're not
1: crying about it. Yeah. That's
0: the whole point. Yeah. And if I'm selling a book, I know that whoever's reading that book is going to go on a crazy journey with me and heal yeah. and get a lot out of it. So it's like, I'm happy to, to deal with the haters and be like, okay, yeah. Yeah. you know, talking about the it. same stuff. Just don't yeah. Don't fucking read
1: it. Um, well, and also it's like, I don't even see, you're not like trash talking this guy. You're actually using him being shitty as an example of how you have like rebounded so magically. Like, it's not even like you're spending time talking shit about him so much as you are literally saying like that needed to happen so that I can be this. Totally. That's
0: totally. it. So. Totally. It, it just, it just triggers people. But for me, both of the men that are written about in the book. Are just characters in my story, especially at this point. Like, I'm so detached and removed from them as actual people. I so clearly see the purpose that they had in my life. Like, I'm so thankful for everything that I went through. I would do it 10 times over to end up where I'm at now. Um, But I don't think people that, you know, are still getting over an X or haven't done the work or been able to heal can look at my story and be like, oh, she can talk about that very disconnected and, like, it must not affect her anymore. Like, I don't think they can comprehend or grasp it um, because their ex is still under their skin for whatever reason. Um, And that's fine. And that's, you know, like, you're going to trigger people when you show up in a vulnerable, powerful way. It's just part of the territory.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm so just impressed and inspired by you and everything that you've done and and created out of this, like seemingly terrible experience, but actually to the whole point, like the most pivotal experience in your life. Um, So congratulations to you on all of that. Thank Um, you. What's what's next? And also I have to ask, like, where is he now? Do we know? Um, we
0: don't know. We know, I mean, There's a lot in the sequel that reveals kind of like the two years after Europe. Um, So we know a lot during that time uh, to both of the men. Um, My ex-husband became his trajectory after this divorce was like, holy shit, thank God this happened when it did because I feel so bad for anyone who was trapped in that situation. Um, And I am so lucky that I got out of it before he turned into the person that he has portrayed to be as of recent um as for Javier um i am still very very close with one of his best friends um but we keep our lives very separate um yeah. so i'm I, I there's a good amount of of both of those men and like updates if you will in the second book a little bit on the podcast um but that all Settled, I think, like a year and a half to two years ago now.
1: Good. So I couldn't I
0: tell you. Couldn't tell you okay, where good. either of them are. And that makes me so happy.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. It's amazing. Um, okay. So what is next for you? Where are you going next?
0: Um, so we have the podcast, which airs every Wednesday, which has become a real amazing place that like people show up for therapy weekly. We have some great guests on. I get on and talk in some solo episodes um with like advice and healing and stuff. And it's just become like a fun therapy with like some f-bombs and you know my personality Um, (laughs) so that's been really fun to be able to like create that community um, and see all of these people really come together and like you know from a book to just like a full-on community which has been really beautiful Um, and my husband and I are having a baby in August. Yay! (laughs) little baby boy. Um, Aww. so that's like really what's big next yeah. on the, uh, on the, the docket. And we are in like the very, very, very early stages of, um, bringing eat, pray FML to the screen. So Amazing. that will be in Ugh. the, uh, the pipeline at some point.
1: That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. It's such a pleasure to meet you and and hear the story straight from you. Um, and I wish you the best of luck with everything. Thank um, you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been lovely. Yeah, such an incredible story. So we'll send everybody to, what's the best place to send people to? or or the various socials?
0: Yeah. So if you want to get the book, um, they're exclusively on Amazon. So you can just search Eat, Pray, FML, or the sequel is The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. Make sure you read them in order. They're all (laughs) chronological. I also have a self-love healing journal called Fuck Off, I'm Healing that's really like a step-by-step guide where I walk you through to kind of like untangle some of the bullshit life has thrown at you and like work through some of that trauma, do some thought onions, you know, the whole the whole spiel Um, and then you can get all of those books on my website which is eatprayfml.com you can get any of them signed by me and all of our merch from the the podcast is on there as well and uh, I'm on Instagram at Gabrielle Stone and TikTok at Gabrielle underscore Stone
1: Amazing. Thank you so much, Gabrielle. Good luck with everything. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to All Too Well, guys. And as always, I am accepting stars, reviews, all of the above. They don't cost you anything and they mean a lot to me. So if you do have time, head on over to Apple Podcasts and throw me a few stars and, uh, you know, just do a good turn. Thanks.